Hi and welcome back to Cheeky Crypto. My name's Chris and it's fantastic to have you back with us for another video. And in today's video, we've got something very special for you. We've just got back from Dubai, the Cardano Summit. We met so many great projects, influencers, and so on. And look, this is a monstrous size interview with the CEO of Midnight. Now, uh, you know, we highlighted this uh, project uh, and talked about it almost instantly after Charles Hoskinson stepped off the stage in Edinburgh. We were lucky enough to interview him uh, right after making the announcement of this project. And there were many questions. So this interview will answer a lot of the questions our community have been asking. If you enjoy this sort of content and you wish to support the channel, we self-fund this stuff. We don't do any paid content. So, you know, it really does support the channel when you subscribe to the channel on YouTube. You give us a follow on Twitter and, you know, you share this content with other people in the crypto space. That stuff really does help us and we really do appreciate it. Um, so, right, without further ado, let's get down to the interview. So um, I think it'd be fantastic for our audience that have no idea about Midnight. Um, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself uh, and I, I guess start with... I guess your journey into to the land of crypto and, and how you, you come to, I guess, get to this point uh, managing Midnight. Sure. So my name is Iran Barak. I'm CEO of Midnight Project uh, at IOG. Um, started my career actually as a software developer many years ago. Thought that would be my journey. Then kind of got curious as to why we build what we build. And so went into product, then into marketing. Then into dark side of sales, not the dark side, but anyway, uh, have been with very small companies like, you know, tiny startups and some very big ones. Um, really got into kind of crypto with a company I founded back in 2014 called Symphony. Uh, we were doing kind of secure information exchange between the banks and really got to know more of cryptology technology and then by proxy this entire space of cryptocurrency and other things related to crypto so have been a fan uh mined some bitcoins lost some money all the usual stuff um, and then um, last year i got a chance to really get my hands kind of involved in the industry got to work a little bit with gavin wood uh at parity and later, Charles came knocking on my door saying, hey, would you like to come help us with Midnight? And here we are. Awesome. Um, for those that perhaps aren't aware, if they live under a rock, um, <laughs> what is Midnight um, to, to start with? So Midnight is a fourth generation blockchain network. A lot of people ask me, like, so what does it exactly mean fourth generation? Well, if you think about kind of the market structure transformations that we've seen. Bitcoin being a kind of first generation introduced the concept of digital money. Uh, Ethereum as a second generation introduced smart contracts, and some scalability. Cardano, just as an example, as a third generation introduced governance and interoperability, etc. We're looking kind of at another market transformation. One of the things that kind of really bothered me as I was considering Midnight as an opportunity, as I was looking at the market and thinking, you know, we haven't really crossed the chasm. 
Blockchain is a wonderful technology. It can unlock so many things. Why do you not see it more prevalent in the marketplace? There's what's stopping this? And when I started thinking about it, I realized there were a few kind of friction points that were coming together to really kind of withhold adoption. The first one is the data is public. I don't know of any commercial organization that's going to take commercially sensitive data and put it in the public blockchain for everybody to see. It just doesn't happen. We got to solve that as a kind of a first step. The second is that you don't have any kind of guarantee or assurance that public infrastructure is going to service your need. When you're using, let's say, a managed service, let's say from Amazon or Google, you've you got to throw to choke if something goes wrong. If it's a public decentralized infrastructure, who, who, who do you choke when, when things go wrong? How do you ensure there is SLA or something? We as kind of enterprises that want to deploy something on this infrastructure, we got to know this thing works and it's not going to kind of disappear on us. And then there's a third issue, which is the matter of cost. Chains are coin or token operated. That token gets kind of listed on an exchange. Um, and then, you know, different market forces cause it to fluctuate and be volatile. For an operating operator using the infrastructure, having a price kind of fluctuate all the time, you can't budget for how much it's going to cost you to run an application on this infrastructure. If you can't budget, you can't get it approved. You can't move forward. So there are just so many reasons why kind of enterprises look at this and go like, this is really interesting technology. I just can't get there. It just doesn't conform to the table stakes that I need. Midnight kind of crosses that chasm. This is part of being a fourth generation. We all have both data protection on both the data and the metadata. It's not enough just to do it on the data. Imagine like a bank account where you say, oh, um, nobody's going to see how much money I have, but they can see totally who I'm sending and receiving money from. Nobody's going to agree to that. Hmm. Um, so both data and metadata, we built in capabilities to give you SLA. You've got guaranteed access to the resource. And we've built tokenomics that give you almost like a flat, assured price predictability. So some of the things that are wonderful with this kind of concept is, you know, you could get a gas station that converts your kind of fiat to kind of crypto so you can kind of pay with, let's say, with dollars, right? But, but the price keeps on fluctuating. So you're about to make a transaction and you don't know how much, how much you need. When, when the price is predictable, I can create a rate card. I can turn this into a standard cloud service, like let's say, I don't know, Google Big Table or something. So, so there is a price, there is a service. It's It feels like a cloud service with an underlying kind of blockchain technology powering it through. But it's something that enterprises are familiar with. They don't need to worry about wallets or crypto or holding crypto in their balance sheet suddenly it unlocks a world of possibilities for them. Definitely. And I mean, correct me if my perception's wrong about Midnight, right? Um, but I kind of feel like it's the, the layer that's missing for blockchain to bring more adoption in. Would you say that was accurate? I, I would say that's very accurate. Uh, look, you can have the best technology, the absolute fastest train ever you build, but if you can't get a ticket, 
doesn't really matter. If nobody's going to use your amazing technology, it doesn't really matter. We looked at every angle on how we make this more easily adoptable, more easily usable. And it wasn't just the enterprise. It was also for, for uh, developers. If nobody's going to build on this and create applications, what have we done here? So we had the chance to choose all sort of very fancy domain-specific languages as, you know, for the smart contract. I said, no, we got to go with the most widely adopted. So we chose TypeScript. And, and even though we're using zero-knowledge technology, which does require, I'd say, some sophisticated elements, you got to use uh, what's known as circuits. Uh, and these are things that you really need kind of very smart people on how to construct them. So what we did, we, we built Lego building blocks, pre-made libraries that you can just use, and you don't need to be a ZK expert to use them. Now, if somebody here wants to go and build their own circuit, by all means, go do that. But for 99% of us, let's just use off-the-shelf stuff and just go. We just want to build and use the blockchain. We don't need to kind of hassle with all this, all these craziness. So what's on, on the roadmap? Ah. <laughs> uh, well, we opened up registration for DevNet about a month ago, had an overwhelming response, way more than we expected. Over a thousand teams signed up and said, we want to build something for uh, for this DevNet. Uh, now, I, I, we can't get all thousand all going at once. So we had kind of to choose from. I'm sorry if I disappointed some people. We're going to get to all of you. Somebody asked me, like, how did we make the decision? Is it going to be like based on, you know, who's friends? No, guys, whoever had, whoever invested when they applied and wrote the best story of what they're going to do with the DevNet got the highest score. So if you didn't invest in your story, you can apply again and put you know some more words to it. We'll, we'll, we'll be happy to consider, but we, we will get to everyone. But that's what's happening now. In 10 days, November 13th, we're going to start onboarding people. Uh, we're adding more capacity because we've had overwhelming amount of kind of registration. And, and I'd love to see everybody on the DevNet be part of this journey, help us kind of build it out. We're not even exposing everything that we've built. We, we've selected a subset and we said, okay, let, let's... Let's see what people can do with this. Um, and then let's gradually kind of add the other elements in there that we've built and, and kind of get ready for testnet and then mainnet and so forth. Are there any uh, anything set up around uh, tokenomics for, for, yes. for the project? Last time I, I caught up with Charles, he literally stepped off of stage. It was bam there. <laughs> Everybody um, got excited. Everyone got super excited. Okay. The, the community was buzzing. So, Tokenomics is a very complicated subject that really uh, is kind of at the epicenter of, of whether you're successful or not. Because if you created the right incentives for the parties involved, you definitely have a vibrant, successful ecosystem. Um, we knew we needed to protect the metadata. And the only way to do that is through a shielded token. Charles mentioned that. It's called DUST. The challenges with any kind of shielded token, it's not unique to Midnight, is that sexes are not so happy to get those listed. And if you don't have enough parties involved, that impairs your liquidity. 
And if you don't have enough liquidity, that impairs your ability to provide network security. So the way we went about to solving that is by actually introducing a second token. I'm not talking about ADA, a second native token on the Midnight Network, which is unshielded. And that second token is going to get listed, provide network liquidity and security. They work together hand in hand to kind of complete the story. But what the beauty of this is that it allows us to both transact while keeping privacy and have the network liquidity and security happening. Um, We're going to kind of disclose more details about what we're doing with the tokenomics in the upcoming period. Uh, But I did share with the audience today that anybody that is holding ADA as true to our promise, we will do a token drop and we will get everybody involved in Midnight. And uh, you wouldn't believe the amount of questions we've had on on, on tokenomics. We are um, very pro go do your research. Um, and when they research and they can't find what they're looking for, it I comes know. back to us. So, I know, but um, we, we're, we're going to start kind of rolling out some details and, and sharing more of, of the go-to-market plan. And where would be best for those individuals, perhaps Twitter, the, the website? Where would so be we have a website, midnight.network. Everything is going to be there. Uh, we have a Twitter account. We have a LinkedIn account. Those, I'd say, the main channels for the devnet there is a discord server where there's a lot of the activity with the developers helping them and kind of being in the dialogue um many social media channels will will get those uh the, the news out there awesome um i've seen a few like misunderstandings about the role of the Ask away. <laughs> and, and cardano and I was wondering, have you seen any um, that you would like to perhaps acknowledge and perhaps uh, yeah. clear up for, for anybody sure. that's got those misunderstandings? So some people ask me whether Midnight is a layer two on Cardano or how does all thing work? Yeah. First of all, Midnight has been built from the ground up. It's not a layer two. It's not based on Cardano technology. It doesn't use the Cardano consensus or other elements. It's from the ground up. But we have a strategic partnership with Cardano. What we are going to do is essentially leverage the Cardano ecosystem to help us get to market, get some distribution, get to decentralization, etc. Now, some people that are maybe critiquing us will say, ah, you're just using us for, for your own benefit. Well, a partnership is one where both sides win. So what we're doing is we're creating value for the Cardano ecosystem under this partnership. Stake pool operators are going to have new revenue source and we'll get some other incentives. Same for sexes indexes. People building applications will get other ways to kind of extend their use case, what they did with Cardano, as well as benefit from a fund that actually gives them kind of an uplift to create more opportunities between the networks, as well as interoperability to other things. So we're really, beyond just the token drop, are looking to create value for the Cardano network in exchange of what they're providing us. Yeah, I think um, that that is really cool. And I think the, the community are really going to be uh, you know, pro that, that approach. For if sure. Cardano wins, we win. There's a lot of both the, the, the launch process will create a lot of activity with the Cardano network kind of in partnership. 
when people see the details, they'll say, okay, this is cool. You're bringing a lot of value to us. Uh, we, we see how this is going to work. What excites you the most that you're working on at the moment when it comes to, to Midnight? I think the response we're getting from enterprises. We went and started talking as part of the discovery in building Midnight. We went around and tried to learn from other networks. We, I mean, you're not going to be a fourth generation unless you, you create some market restructure and transformative value. So we went and talked with and learned from other networks what they were doing great, what they were doing, let's say, that could be improved. We went to talk with enterprises. What do you like? What do you not like? Every single one that heard what we were going to do with Midnight couldn't wait for us to launch. They were kind of trying to twist my arm and saying like, don't, don't, don't worry about Midnight. Can we have this now? We need this now. The world clearly wants to kind of leverage blockchain technology. If we can just unlock some of those primitives, I think we're going to see so many fantastic use cases in the world that will benefit humanity, will benefit you know businesses, will will do really great things. Awesome. And is it a blanket approach when you consider the different sectors? Or are you looking at... Uh, to, to specific verticals? Yeah. Um, I'd say there are definitely some verticals that are likely to be low-hanging fruit, uh, whether it's fintech, um, identity management. Those have very intense propensity towards the kind of the capabilities of data protection, and they're ready to do something with this type of technology. They're clamoring at the door. But uh, you could see use cases in, in other areas, medical and, and uh, e-commerce, et cetera, et cetera. I'll give you two. Uh, people keep on asking me, like, okay, technology, technology, let's <laughs> let's get down to brass tacks. Talk, talk to me about some, some use cases. Um, I'll give you one example in finance and maybe one example in, I don't know, uh, healthcare. Uh, so in finance, I, I've spoken with some banks and one of the biggest pain points they keep on raising is the issue of KYC. KYC is an abomination of a process today. Nobody likes it. Everybody truly, vividly hates it. Customers abandon shopping cart, and I'm not talking about consumers, I'm talking about business kind of KYC. Um, the banks are getting fined left and right. I mean, last year the fines were like $8 billion. I mean, it's just horrendous. And it's becoming worse and worse. You've got deep fake, you've got new rules. It's it's not, it's just a disaster. Every bank is trying to solve this. And the, the way they're trying to solve this is just by getting trying to do better in the current process that they have. But what we're thinking is it's not time to improve the process. It's time to change the process completely. The crazy thing is that the KYC data is there. They just can't access it. So one bank does a KYC on quiz, but the next bank can't use that data because this would be a violation of kind of information privacy. When we, we looked and asked the banks, they did a survey like in Hong Kong, 85% of the banks said they would share KYC if they could just do it. Zero banks share it today, zero. Even within the banks, 63% of departments barely you know, exchange yeah. KYC, even within their own bank. I mean, it's unbelievable. 
Midnight Zero Knowledge Technology enables you to share KYC data between banks without violating actually the access. You can query, is this person kind of meets certain criteria and threshold for the K to kind of qualify for the KYC process without actually seeing the data that supports whether that is true or false. Right. So we can share KYC queries. We can turn KYC from a cost to a revenue center for the banks. I was just going to ask, and what is the benefit there? Like, what are the benefits from, from that action? It, it, for the, whoever holds the KYC data, they could monetize it. Mm -hmm. For whoever who wants to access the KYC data, it shortened the process. It sometimes takes months. Cut down costs, improve customer experience. I mean, it's going to be transformative. And this is just one example. I'll give you an example on, uh, on medical research. Um, we have made leaps in terms of new drugs. You got CRISPR to chop, you know, DNA. You've got, you know, mRNA now delivering drugs and, you know, fast. We haven't solved cancer. Why we haven't solved cancer? What the F is happening? Why haven't we got there? Some of that is because the medical records that hold a lot of the secrets are not accessible. Patient information, because of HIPAA and other you know, rules in, around the world, are just, you know, you cannot access the data. And it's crazy. If, if we could just access the data, I put like an AI engine to scan everything, you know, recognize patterns, figure out what's going to happen here, right? Can't touch it. With midnight kind of blockchain technology, we can do zero knowledge query on the data. So somebody, let's say like a, a, a medical kind of insurance company that has all the records of all the treatments and the all the, and even maybe DNA data, right, can actually monetize this and provide pharma companies with zero knowledge query access to the records without violating the medical record kind of. Uh, uh, privacy laws, but it's even better than that because the zero knowledge allows you to do a double blind. So not only will the medical record company not violate their law or their rules, but also the pharma company that is doing the query, they we would not see what query they are making. So they are not compromising their potential to patent that IP later and make a business and make a drug out of it. Now they can suddenly not just make a question because today they, they can still do it today. So they can, I can go and say, okay, give me all the data set of every man over 40 that had long COVID and I don't know, had chicken pox when they were young. And I'm going, I'm looking at this. Okay. There's no correlation, but let me try every woman under 35 that every time we do this query, you got to go request the data. You got to clean the data. You got to anonymize the data. You got to, it takes forever. We are never getting there. With zero knowledge technology, we can do millions of queries in a split second. We can leapfrog medical research into the future. We can hopefully cure cancer. That would be amazing. Yeah, for sure. Um, what risks are there, um, you know, when it comes to, to running a privacy project and I guess what mitigations have been put in place? So I think one of the I'd say um, issues we've seen blockchains in general uh, do is exercise uh, an ICO. And 
that puts them on a path where see, some regulatory bodies uh, do not uh, take kindly to that, that approach and then they, they get into trouble. Uh, Midnight is not going to do that. Uh, we want to not just be uh, compliant with the law. If an enterprise looks at this technology, they want to be assured that this has viability and not be a going concern. They want to know this thing is going to be there five years from now and not some regulator saying, uh-uh, this, this thing uh, <laughs> needs, to, uh, needs to go under. Um, so this is one risk that, that we really thought through on, on how we kind of manage that out. The second thing with respect to privacy, a lot of people say, ah, how can you provide privacy and be compliant with the law, right? Uh, with regulatory reasons. Well, the trick is really that regulation is not kind of a blockchain business. It's the application that needs to be compliant. Because it could be an application that does, I don't know, where we go to lunch or where we do we, you know, uh, what do we, well, it's the weather like. That kind of regu- uh, application doesn't need to be regulated. So really, it's what the application type of activity it's doing. Where is it operating in terms of jurisdiction? What type of data it's kind of managing and which audience it's serving that determines what kind of regulatory requirement may be applied to that application. What we need to do as a network is provide the right hooks and functions so an application that does need to be compliant with some rules, and I don't know what they are because I don't know what application they're running and I don't know where they're at, that they have enough of the hooks and the buildup that they can use that with our blockchain and have those structures available to them. We provided, so one of the things we we may be slightly different, we have both a private ledger and a public ledger. So one shielded and one unshielded. You can put both kind of protect some data and keep some data open. We've got some other capabilities in there. So we are all kind of thinking through how do we help our customers be compliant and not get into a, kind of a, a risky situation as they operate. Is there anything that you would like to share with the audience um, that perhaps we haven't covered um, that you would you know, think they, they should know about when it comes to, to midnight? I think there's a lot of talk in the industry about this technology or that technology, which technology is better. I think they may be missing a trick it's time we start focusing on who we're serving. Mm. Focus on the customer. What do they need? How are they going to use this technology? How do we be vested in their success? Mm. Don't focus on being the best or blockchain. Focus on being the best blockchain for your customer. If we can move in that direction, I think we're going to do a better service to the world. The other element that uh, I think as a, as a philosophy on the midnight side is we are, I would say, the opposite of being a maximalist. I don't think there is going to be one ring to rule them all here. I think that by partnering, like we're partnering with Cardano, I would hope to see us partnering with many other kind of chains. Bring it in. Let's work together. We can create a much bigger pie and benefit our customers. 
rather than all the time try to not even compete, fight over things that don't really matter. There is a positive need in the world. We can do so much better. Definitely. And uh, it was music to our ears when we were in uh, Edinburgh when Charles mentioned Midnight. I was like, did I just hear what, what I think <laughs> I heard? Because this was exactly what we were looking for. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been a very long ride. So, so I mean, I mentioned today on stage um, almost five years in the making. So uh, Midnight was kind of founded through, uh, or, or the inception was a paper called Kachina that was written many years ago. And it took a long time because IOG has been, have been trying to implement the concepts of this paper, but it was so, I'd say, cutting edge advanced that it took multiple tries to really get this right. I'm so happy to see that finally it's all coming together. And we've added some other elements to complement it and make Midnight really useful. So there we have it. The CEO of Midnight talking about everything Midnight, Cardano, and what you should expect moving forward. It was a fantastic interview, and I really do appreciate him spending the time with us, taking the time out of his busy schedule to talk you through everything midnight now hopefully we will be able to catch up again in the future to see how things have progressed if you enjoyed this sort of content this interview uh do hit the like button subscribe if you haven't subscribed already tapping that bell selecting all the notifications so you never miss a video and i will catch you in the next one take care